Hey, Biz Dads, welcome back to another great episode. It's exciting to talk with you guys. If you missed us last week, our sincere apologies. With all that was going on in the world, we got to recording. Technology got the best of us, and we didn't feel like going back and re-recording. So here we are. You're getting two weeks worth of Biz Dads for the price of one. This week, we'll talk a lot about what's going on in the world of sports and business. There's plenty to discuss. A new segment called What You Watching." cul-de-sac chat going back and seeing what are some of the lessons we've learned from the virtual learning and then the final four what are things that you should always pay for with all the craziness going on what are you not willing to cut corners what has to be done by a professional let's jump into it this week's biz dads andres so um I think the world missed us. The biz dad world missed us. I got plenty of people telling me, like, where's the episode this week? So I'm glad to be back. We had a, uh, a busy couple of weeks here. We had the first communions for, for our two oldest. Big celebration in the Catholic Church. Kids looked great. You know, it was, it was exciting to, to see them in all their best dressed. And it was the first time I wore pants in, like, five months. You know, I know that Margaret Ann took that classic photo for all of our listeners. We have been taking pictures of Ben and Frankie since they were babies together. You know, now they're eight. He was looking dapper in his little navy blazer. Certainly proud of how beautiful Frankie looked in she her, you know, white white wedding dress. Um, but yeah, they got the classic photo as eight-year-olds, man. I'm telling you, it's amazing. You blink. They went from infants and in diapers to toddlers to, you know, running around four and five years old. I remember all the swimming parties at your house. And now look at them. They're eight confident third graders. Yep. And uh, we joked that we'll have to use that picture for part of the wedding slideshow. You know, Heidi and I have always joked about that. And I'm just glad you're the one that's going to be paying for the wedding. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm only inviting half of your family. So you got to pick which half. It's either Margaret Ann's or yours. It depends. God knows when this happens. We'll have to see uh, which, which, you know, which family members I like the most. We also had a, uh, our first biz dads bike ride together. We had the chance to get out on the Silver Comet. I think um, we told a lot of the folks that we are, I'm working on this Ragabari, this race across Iowa, seven days, 460 miles. We started our training. We, we hopped on, went for what, about 10 mile ride. It was good. We, we got to do it again here soon. I think next time on that ride, I should take time to remove the, uh, the baby seat on the back of my bike. I was, you know, glad I could fit in a pair of, you know, biker shorts and, uh, I, I am very impressed by the, the bike you have, Brad. You've, you've upgraded your game. Uh, I'm cruising around in like a city commuter bike, and you were looking like Greg LeMond and Lance Armstrong out there. So I, I think I need to step up my game with like Atlanta cycling. I looked like Greg LeMond and Lance Armstrong combined on one bike. That's what I look like. <laughs> I do think we probably got some funny looks with uh, you know the two of us cycling down the the uh, path there with your empty baby carrier. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just, I'm sure that looks pretty funny with us just cruising down, both wearing spandex. But we made it look good, brother. We made it look good. It, it was two men and a baby, or wait, two men without a baby. Two men without that, a baby. No, that's fun, man. Hey, Ragbri, it's around the corner. It Training. is. Uh, let's see. It is my official counter here. Three hundred and twenty-seven days, three hours. Four minutes and thirteen seconds until uh, Ragbri twenty twenty one. If you don't know what Ragbri is, it really is a pretty cool deal. Um, I first learned about it from a friend of mine who lives in Iowa, and then I confirmed with your beautiful wife that uh, that it was as big as I've heard. And as I'm creating this Masogi for the Big Ass Calendar Club, and 
you know, working on this program with uh, Jesse Itzler. It's it's exciting and terrifying, and I'm not getting on the bike enough to do the training I need in the 327 days that I have, but hopefully we'll be able to crank that up and get going. So it's exciting though, to have something like that, to have a big goal to work towards. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I'm uh, and I'm, I'm going to definitely be, you know, available if you call me to go ride. Um, one thing that, you know, was so awesome about being out on the trail is, you know, the silver comet, a, it's right in our backyard, but B once you get about three or four miles away from uh, Smyrna, kind of where we met up, uh, it starts to really thin out. I mean, you know, there wasn't that much traffic after you got, you know, three or four miles out. So we're going to have to build up. Maybe we can go to Alabama and back one of these one of these weekends. That's my 90-day goal. I want not to get to Alabama, but I want to do a 40-mile ride. Supposedly you get out there and there's long train, there's a train tunnel and all kinds of crazy stuff that the future has for us. But you know, also, I had a crazy day today. We had a big announcement, something I've been working on for a long time. You know, I, I own a business, Trenches, that the COVID world has put in a vice grip and continued to uh, throw challenges at me. But we've also been working really hard on a not-for-profit that um, a very good friend of mine, Tammy Hurt, and I started. And we announced today we had received the official approval um, from the Grammy Museum Foundation to work to build a Grammy museum experience and implement all kinds of incredible educational programs here in the state to be located, hopefully inside Fulton County, definitely inside Fulton County and inside the city of Atlanta. And we are just blessed to have great partners in the state of Georgia and Fulton County who made it possible for us to do some exciting things. So I had to get the shameless plug in here. Georgia music accord, our 501 C three has been working really, really hard. You know, these are once in a lifetime opportunities. This will be my second one coming off the college football hall of fame. I'm not sure what I was thinking doing this twice, but we're committed to bringing an incredible experience to Georgia, to Fulton County, to Atlanta. A lot of really, really hard work ahead, so I'm sure you guys will hear a lot about it as we, we move forward here. But it's been it's been a great day. It's exciting. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. I, I know for a small business, uh, you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into your company. And obviously, COVID has done no favors for, for you and others that run businesses, small especially. And uh, we need small businesses to work and to, and to survive. I'm glad you're having success and uh, keep up the good work, man. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of hard work. This was just the, the, the tippest tip of the iceberg you know, and, and I'll tell you, the, the, the press part of it, the, just the overall media piece of it, you know, it's tough because we're doing this for all the right reasons. This is such an incredible opportunity to celebrate Georgia's vast and diverse musical heritage, to, to create jobs, to impact the music industry, and most importantly, to create educational initiatives. And it's very, very exciting. But man, it's nerve wracking answering questions and making sure you're doing everything the right way so that people understand and you can clearly explain all of the opportunity that exists. So it's, it's been fun. Um, there's a lot more to come, like I said, and it's fascinating to see how the music industry has been impacted by, by all of this, uh, just like every industry. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a lot of gig economy workers. There's a lot of, you know, small stages and venues and whatnot that have been deeply impacted. So hopefully we can continue to work hard just to, to raise the awareness for that and, and to help a lot of those folks get back on their feet because we all need it. We all need some positive news. And what's more unifying than music? I mean, you're the DJ. You know, you made a great uh, a great living in our friend circle by making the mixed CDs back in the day. Now you can make, you know, just playlists. 
Um, music is unifying. It's inspirational. It's it just feels good. I created a feel good playlist over the weekend um, because I just needed it. It's been such a crazy time. I just said, you know what? Here are all the songs that make me smile, that allow me to, you know, sing loud in my car and not care who's watching or who's looking, and especially don't care who's listening because I can't sing. But you know, I mean, you just need it. Just needed a good uplifting, uplifting weekend, a good uplifting music. And today was a was a great day with a lot of hard work, and I'm just just feel blessed. Yeah, that's great. I um, well, I know we have a segment about what you're watching coming up. And speaking of music, I have, I'll tease it out. I have what I thought was one of the top two or three documentaries that I've ever seen um, about the music business, an individual in the music business. Um, We'll get to that later in our show, but it's uh, it's it's good stuff. If you have a uh, a couple of hours um, here this fall. I'll tell the listeners later. Very cool. Very cool. Well, there's no, no producer twist this week, so you won't hear any millennial minutes or anything. We gave her the night off so that she could have a dinner party. She's getting to that age. It's so cute when they get to that age, they get to have their own dinner parties. But let's jump into this week's sports and biz news. So, Andres, we got to start on a sad note, something mm-hmm. that's kind of grabbed the whole world by storm and really pretty inspirational story. Chadwick Bozeman passed away of colon cancer Mm -hmm. very very young um he was black panther he was jackie robinson which i just found you know to be a great movie and and the guy fought it quietly for four years Mm -hmm. was did not tell a soul was spending his time visiting pediatric cancer hospitals and patients in his downtime and had actually got ridiculed for some of the weight loss that obviously was due to the cancer it just such a terrible loss, and you hate to start the show on, you know, a downer. But I mean, what an inspirational guy to fight the way that he fought, and a lot of incredible things came out of that movie, Black Panther, and the work that he did. So, rest in power, as they say. Really, really a tragic story. I was reading some of the articles that came out about um, about his passing in his life, and one of the one of the stories, I think it was in People uh, magazine. Uh, at the 2019 NAACP Image Awards, um, he won Outstanding Actor for Black Panther. And when he got up on stage to accept the award, he thanked his wife, Simone. And, you know, he said, uh, quote, you know what say. Black people always thank God when they win, and I'm not going to let you down. Thank you, God, for not just winning. He continued, thank you, God, for the trials and tribulations that allow you that you allow us to go through so we can appreciate these moments, so we can appreciate the joy that comes from winning. Um, man, just thinking about that and how his wife was at his side, you know, um, as he passed, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's really tragic. Um, certainly was, was going to do a lot in the world and in, in Hollywood and as an actor. And it's, uh, it's too bad. Yeah, and you know those people that are taken too soon um, are are taken for a reason and and are inspirational. And he he definitely lives up to all of that. It was a pretty crazy week. I, I got pretty emotional last week. It was actually the night after we were recording, and we were supposed to re-record that episode. And that's when the NBA games were called off. The Milwaukee Bucks, because of the Jacob Jacob Blake shooting, 
decided that they were not going to play game five of their NBA playoff match against the Magic, which created a ripple effect throughout sports like something I've never seen. Since that, the NBA Players Association got together. They decided to take a couple days off. They worked together as a team, as an entire organization, I should say, to get back on the court. You saw baseball impacted, really moving moment with, I think it was the Milwaukee Brewers, where they put the Black Lives Matter jersey on the plate. They were celebrating or, or remembering Jackie Robinson. They had a moment of silence and walked off. I mean, you've seen it throughout sports now, the WNBA, Major League Baseball. Um, the NFL obviously is talking a lot about it. It's impacting college sports and how NHL. they're going to respond. And I yeah. had the chance to listen to a couple people this week. And even um, in, in a conversation I was listening to today with Ludacris, uh, who's involved with the Grammy Project, he said that he's starting to see new faces and new voices and that there does seem to be change on the horizon, which is great to hear for everybody. I mean, there's no reason why we shouldn't want this to make an impact. And you start taking sports away, and I think people really start to listen. Do you remember, Brad, early on in our um, efforts to get this podcast up and off the ground? And I think it just coincided, I mean, with the beginning of the Jordan series, you know, The Last Dance. And I remember as you're, you know, as you're talking about the athletes deciding to, you know, just not play. And I remember that series when they really asked Jordan, like, why didn't he get involved in more social justice issues? Interestingly, I did see that he was one of the key, if not the key liaison between the team owners and the players here in the last week. Uh, and basically, from what I read, what was reported is that he was stressing to the owners, like, just now's the time to listen. You know, now's not a time to come up with a game plan. It's just time to listen and, and let the players think and get organized. And uh, and I think they did that. Um, the other interesting uh, image from that week. Yeah. The Orlando Magic taking the court and then, you know, kind of looking around and nobody showed up. They didn't they didn't obviously get notified. Um, the other thing that was really interesting and I wanted to get your take because Margaret Ann obviously works for Turner is, you know, Kenny Smith basically just kind of getting up right like live on set and just kind of saying I just don't need to be here I can't be here right now I thought that was I thought that was pretty profound I mean you just don't see that in scripted tv I don't know for me it 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 certainly was a shift yeah Um, you know I I would I'll say this first it's a shame that the magic weren't notified it would have been Great, and I, I'm not taking anything away from the Bucks, but it would have been great if they would have notified the Magic so they, they were right. aware of what was going on, much yeah. like what happened after that with all the other games that were postponed or delayed. I consider Inside the NBA on TNT one of the greatest television shows that's ever been put on the air. They are not afraid to cover the tough topics. They do it with class. They do it with humor. Um, they do it with emotion. You know, if you've never had the chance to – to see Ernie Johnson speak passionately about mm. things, whether it's his friend Craig Sager, his dad, um, the, the things that he's seen happen in our world. I mean, he's one of the greatest sports bro- sports broadcasters I've ever seen. And, you know, Margaret does get a chance to work with those guys every day. I probably feel closer to them than I should, only because I just 
just am so in awe of, of that program all the time. And I was glad to see Kenny did what he did. I don't know if, if, if he had talked with the guys about that. It, it looked like Charles and Shaq and Ernie all were caught off guard. Um, so good for him in, in doing what he thought was, was best. He got a lot of, um, I think, accolades for doing that. I think it was great to see Charles and Shaq uh, stay on and talk openly about everything that was going on. For me, the most impactful part of that entire show, if you go back and watch it, was actually Chris Weber. Chris Weber from Inside the Bubble got yeah. very, very emotional about what mm-hmm. what was happening. And, and, and he's such – I mean, that guy's been through all kinds of different things in his sports career. It was just incredible. It was just all around an incredible, I don't know, half hour of television. Um, yeah. And, and done, again, with, with class and only the way that group of guys can do it. I mean, people – if you haven't watched it, and even if you're not an NBA fan, turn yeah, on the TV no, on a Thursday good, night good. for Inside the NBA on TNT just to just to see those guys and how professionals do it because it is pretty right. incredible. But I would to answer your question directly. Um, I was I was I thought it was well done. I thought it was timely, um, and just another good thing to happen during all of this to to help promote real change. Yeah, one little quick. Ernie Johnson story. Um, you mentioned if you know if you've had the opportunity to hear him speak at a, you know at a at an event. What an amazing inspiration and and what an amazing comeback story. Um, you know he he battled cancer and is a cancer survivor. And one of the opportunities I had to hear him uh, was after his bout with cancer. And the message at you know during his remarks was effectively. You know, you've got to lean in to life when, you know, when life presents challenges, when it throws you a curveball, when it hits you upside the head and floors you, you know, like only cancer really can. Uh, you know, not not that I've had it, but from hearing family members and friends and such talk about it. And I left after hearing that um, and that idea of lean in stuck with me. And probably two years later. I was in Midtown Atlanta leaving a dinner and I was walking out to my car in a random parking lot. Who would I see in this parking lot as the only other individual? Our cars were literally parked next to one another. It was Ernie Johnson. And I'm like, okay, I got, I got to tell him. So what I had done is I had actually had a bracelet made for runnings, like a running ID bracelet. And on there, I put that slogan, lean in. And I told him that story, and it was just one of those little moments that you have in life um, where you get a chance to kind of connect the dots. And uh, it's always made me a fan of that show and made me a fan of him and uh, the perseverance and, you know, his candor and his his honesty. And he's he's uh, he's definitely one of a kind. So I'm glad he's a local native Atlantan. Yeah, man, it's um, it's been an honor to, to meet those guys and to, to watch them. Yeah. I don't even know if I've talked about this on this show, but I have unfortunately had too many experiences with cancer and, and one very, very personally with myself over the last few years. And it's the scariest thing you could ever hear or have to deal with. And for me, it was bladder cancer. It wasn't serious. I didn't have a, um, I mean, it was serious, but I didn't have chemotherapy. And so I wasn't losing my hair and I didn't lose any weight. And, 
you know, if you would have looked at me, you wouldn't have known. And uh, candidly, I didn't tell a lot of people. This is the most public I've ever been with it. You were one of a very small group of people that I did share with. And you find it, it difficult to, to handle your emotions when you don't want the pity party, but you don't want the over attention either. Um, but at the end of the day, to see the inspirational things that guys like Ernie Johnson, Craig Sager, Chadwick, uh, Chadwick Bozeman, all those guys do, I mean, it is leaning in and it is taking life head on. And it is truly, for me, the last couple of weeks have been pretty, pretty stressful not because of that, but just in general. And, you know, you do have to lean in. You do have to turn over your your worry and your fear and your anxiety. In my case, I turn it over to God and just talk about, you know, putting it in his hands and knowing that the right things will come out of it and that I'll follow the path that he lays for me. So not the, the lighthearted conversation we normally have here on the Biz Dads, but at the end of the day, it's so important to be able to handle – your emotions, to have support groups that you can talk with. I mean, we're in the midst of the craziest time any of us have ever experienced, and life still goes on, and life still provides. You and I are both facing all kinds of challenges and hurdles and obstacles and roadblocks and all these things. And at the end of the day, um, you got to find a way to handle it. you got to find a way to handle it with friends, with family, with spouse or, or I mean, it's just it's it's a must-have, and I hope everybody can find that. If that's any type of lesson out of this this conversation today, it was totally worth it. No, it's, um, well, okay. So I, I don't need to have the last word, but I feel like it's important since you brought up, you know, your bout with cancer. I think it's also important for me to bring up the fact that I was one of the people that you told. And I was also one of the, um, probably one of the people who didn't probably wasn't there for you as much. I didn't probably appreciate and understand the impact that that, had on me. And I don't know that I understood how, um, you know, what it meant to really be like a really, really close friend. And I think from that experience, um, you, A, forgave me and B, I think it made me appreciate you and your character to realize that, you know, that was something that was very personal. It was something that you obviously hadn't shared with a lot of people. Um, I think, you know, back on that and realize like, gosh, you know, as a real friend, how would I have done that different? Um, I can now look forward and say, you know, you've, you've been an amazing steadfast friend to us. Um, you've given us support and space and I agree with you, man. Like I think in this environment that we find ourselves in with uncertainty and COVID, um, and all the challenges that the world, uh, and our country's going through, I think if anything, man, I've realized over the last five or six months, like now is probably the, is not the time to try to internalize things and handle them yourself. You know, you just get too bottled up. Um, so this show has been good for that. This show has been good to just talk about (laughs) some of the fun and some of the the stressful and some of the, um, lighthearted things that go on in the world. I mean, yeah, tonight's been a little heavier, but it's also because we're talking about stuff that's real. And it's, you know, it's affected us. Well, I, I appreciate that. I can't let you have the last word with that because you, 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 you have to know how incredibly supportive and, and the, what the friendship you and Heidi means to, to me and means to Margaret Ann and the ability for, for us to be able to have a conversation like we had during that time was, it was the most impactful and probably pivotal because it wasn't, 
it was it wasn't just you and I that were dealing with it. It was I was dealing with it in so many different ways because you don't know how to you don't know how to react. You don't know what to expect. Like I said, the worst feeling in the world for me was I didn't know what the I, I didn't want the pity party. But then when I I also knew that people didn't understand. It was like I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to mm-hmm. to process all of this because. I think we inherently expect people to read our mind as humans, you know, and empathy is a very, very difficult thing to master. And just being able to talk about things openly, you and I have had a ton of different, different and difficult conversations over the years. And at the end of the day, what makes friendships so strong is that you come out on the other end with an appreciation, with an understanding and, and, and with an empathy. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that about us. That's, that's what will make our long romantic bike rides even more impactful uh, over yeah, the next you imagine year. us five days. What are we going to talk about on day two? I mean, for crying out loud, <laughs> we'll have to do a five day, seven day podcast here with, Oh my God. Can we okay, carry the mics and everything with us? Uh, well, look, I, I uh, think, uh, there's a couple of good things happening in the world. My favorite sporting event is, uh, is happening. Even though it's going to be fanless, the, the ponies will still race for the run for the roses around Churchill downs. The coolest place to watch a sporting event that I've ever been. Um, we're celebrating it on my uh, my wife's big big birthday this weekend, um, so we've got a party going on for her. But the Derby is just it's, again, it's just one of those amazing things. I'm glad's happening. So it'll be some fun. See the ponies run. Tell me how how are you how are you guys doing the party this year? Because in the past you guys have always cooked out and you guys have kind of had an indoor outdoor thing. What'd you guys decide to do? Because this is the big four zero. Yeah, I wasn't gonna put the number out there only because you know she's still so young at heart. Um, but it is a big birthday for my lady. We're not going to, it's really no, this isn't a derby party. This is a party for her. The derby just happens to be on if we need oh, something okay. on the TV. I thought it was the reverse. I thought oh, it yeah. was the derby. I better, even it if it was, I wouldn't person. say it on the air. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it'll be fun. Saturday will be a big, Saturday be a big good time to get a, a very small group of socially distanced friends together. So that's really been the hard part is, you know, ordering tables and chairs and stuff so that I could set up outside and give everyone enough space to spread out. You know, the most interesting thing for me has been over the last week, uh, Andres, has been the stock market. Ugh. I, for some reason, have found a fascination. I think it has to do a lot to do with, you know, kind of your talks here, but I really have gotten very interested in what's going on with the stock market. So unbelievable record weeks or days over the last couple of weeks. You know, what do you think is going on? I think it's three things. I'm no expert, but if I was if I was to break it down, um, I think, look, you've had um, just trillions and trillions of dollars of stimulus from Washington. That's helped, right? I think you have seen some preliminary signs, not broad, you know, not broadly, but some preliminary signs of the economy kind of reviving. I mean, certain sales figures and certainly traffic in certain types of stores um, is up. Um, And then I do think that there's progress being made um, on the vaccine front. So I think you put all that together and there's, you know, there's optimism. Uh, Now, how do you explain what's going on with certain stocks like Apple and Tesla? That boggles my mind. I mean, Apple did a four to one stock split today and the stock was up 4%, you know, today it was, you know, the market was up 7% in August. Um, it was the best August. And this is after COVID. It was the best August, Brad, since 86. 
I think the Fed coming out last week and kind of saying that they were changing policy um, and that they intended to keep, you know, borrowing costs low uh, for the foreseeable future is, you know, is another data point that the market responded to. Like we were talking in the pre-show, man, it's it's kind of hard to like want to jump in right now, especially into some of these tech stocks. And I'm certainly not giving advice. That's uh, not 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 what I'm here to do. And A, I'm not allowed to do it. But it is really fascinating to think about the idea of of saying like, okay, you're going to put money in the market um, broadly in like I don't know some index fund, or you're going to put money in like Microsoft, Alphabet, you know, uh, Apple and Tesla, or you know, pick pick a couple of others and just see what happens. I mean, well, it's now just, with Apple, you're actually it's actually somewhat affordable again in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, I mean a buck. 25 a buck 30 a share it was at you know 500 bucks on friday so i mean it doesn't really have any real change to the valuation of the business but it does yes it does you know make it more affordable if you will um and in anticipation of that you know stock split and tesla's as well you know the stocks did rally and then both pushed upwards again today so um i don't need i don't know that there's any connection between what's going on in the stock market and you know how quickly the U.S. economy recovers. I think there's a lot of uncertainty um, with the election looming and, uh, you know, what happens when the stimulus starts to, you know, go away. But um, for the time being, man, it's just the S&P uh, it just continues to set records. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to watch. Yeah, you know, I've been getting a lot more into uh, CNBC, having it on in the background when, uh, when I'm working throughout the day here in the office. Uh, toying around with an E-Trade account that, um, you know, allows me to try to pay attention. I mean, I, I, I am so bad at understanding that, that I, I really wish, and maybe we'll have to do a show on it where we just talk about some things and ways to keep an eye on the stock market, not mm-hmm. things that have to do with trading, but just pay attention to these five, six, 10 things that will allow you to know what's going on. Um, you know, if you do have a small, trade account. I was talking to a buddy the other day who said he's basically managing his for his own 401k, his own retirement now, and he's having fun with it. And he's being more aggressive than he probably would be. And a lot of people think of it as just straight up gambling. They look at it as, and they get that high from it. I bet there's a lot of biz dads out there who'd, who'd really like to hear more about what to pay attention to and how to get involved, uh, just how to get more engaged in it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's intimidating for uh, most people. I mean, certainly um, I'm no, no expert, but it is, you know, it is interesting to watch and definitely with COVID and the number of people working from home, uh, with more time on their hands, the number of online brokerage accounts that have been opened over the last six months at every platform, you know, E-Trade, Schwab, Fidelity, Robinhood has just gone through the absolute roof. And when tech is so pervasive in our lives with Amazon and Google, uh, and Apple, uh, when it's so pervasive, it's different than if these are energy companies, right, or banks. I mean, those are sort of, um, I don't know, boring or you know that they impact the economy. But, you know, when you're on your iPhone five, six hours a day and your kids are watching, you know, Netflix and they're you're buying things on Amazon, like you're touching the economy. And, and then you look at the stocks and they're just you know, no on a tear. Um, but no, I mean, I think it would be cool if we if we did a little stock market 101, 202 um, here over the next few weeks. Um, 
Well, you look at even and, and how it all ties to the sports business. I mean, you know, you look at DraftKings and how their valuation has just completely ballooned and skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, from three billion to thirteen billion since April. You know what's amazing? Um, I read over the weekend Warren Buffett. You know, the the Oracle of Omaha. He, for the longest time did not invest in technology. He said, I just don't understand it. And so he was always an investor in more traditional industries, um, utility companies, insurance companies, financial services companies. And then one of his lieutenants, one of the one of the two uh, individuals that he brought over to help run his, his stock portfolio at Berkshire Hathaway, which is, by the way, huge, um, <laughs> recommended that they get into Apple. And so they did. And given their size, you know, they can't just buy a little bit of Apple. They had to buy a lot. Do you know how much Apple represents of the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio today? 25%. And you know what that number Holy represents? Holy It's over $100 billion. That's crazy. That individual got a decent bonus for making that recommendation. Yeah. Literally, if you stripped out the Apple performance from the Berkshire portfolio, it's, you know, it's not that attractive of a track record. But, you know, hey. They bought the stock, and it's just done phenomenally well. I don't know. It doesn't mean I'm saying go buy Apple, but but I ain't, might be saying I might be going to buy some Apple. <laughs> you know, and there's just uh, – you look at uh, kind of what's going on with the Mets too. Steve Cohen comes, oh, yeah. out as the, uh, comes out as the lead prospective buyer. It sounds like they're in a private negotiations or, or uh, exclusive negotiations for the Mets. I just – even there, even though there isn't live sports, billions and billions of dollars continue to change hands um, in our industry, and all of those things are going to continue to shake, rattle, and roll for the next you know six plus months. I heard a, a, a conversation with a guy the other day who has been talking with a lot of these folks on the vaccine front, and I mean, it's amazing when you talk to people who are pretty educated in this space how they contradict. You know, what you hear about the effective rate of a lot of these things. And he's like, look, man, this thing's going to be basically bulletproof. It's going to be three years. You're going to have boosters every year. It's, I mean, there seems to be a lot of confidence in the vaccine or things that are being worked on. Um, you know, the numbers that, that obviously are, are, are still tough to watch, still difficult to understand, hopefully going down. But, I mean, sports is just still this unbelievably huge aircraft carrier that runs at the pace, you know, of a nuclear submarine. And it's, it's just fascinating to watch. And I just hope that we're trenches is, is, is in the game long enough to be able to get a, be a part of it and continue to, to see what comes out on the other end. Absolutely. I've, I've come to appreciate, uh, and, and I think a little bit more than, than certainly 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when we met, understand, you know, more the investment side and the business side of sports. Going back to Steve Cohen, um, uh, formerly uh, who ran SAC Capital, now runs um, Point72 Asset Management. Um, if you ever really want to dig into what the real billionaire show was like in real life, I mean, obviously, some of you probably have watched, some of the listeners have watched the show Billionaire yeah. or Billions on, on uh, Showtime. Which is loosely based on some stuff that happened with his insider trading investigation. I would say very loosely, um, but there is a really interesting book called Black Edge that that I think is a really interesting look uh, into, you know, just a big time hedge fund and um, 
and I'm not saying all of the you know reporting was was certainly factual, but it, it's the best account that I've read um, in in print, uh, and it's pretty well researched. You know, he's rumored to have 13, 14 billion dollars, and he's got to get 22 or 23 votes of approval from fellow MLB owners um, to approve the sale. If you're one of those owners of a smaller market franchise or a medium market franchise um, and you get this vote, even if you had reservations about him uh, or character issues or, you know, how he ran his business at a two and a half billion dollar valuation, um, that's going to be a hard vote to to say no to. Um, that's going to be a hard vote to, to turn down, uh, which speaks to what you said, just the power of sports and media rights and key marquee franchises and that is definitely a marquee baseball franchise that would definitely benefit from a deep-pocketed owner like like steve cohen oh it'd be unbelievable what, what would happen so. in that market they're they're already I think the fourth highest valued uh, franchise in mlb they own their you know their rsn the regional sports network i mean there's a tremendous opportunity to to, to make that franchise great again and uh he's probably a great guy to do it so yeah, I don't think the on. Mets have ever been the same since they put Matt Harvey out there in the World Series um, for that extra inning in uh, at Shea Stadium, <laughs> no. and my Royals um, obliterated him and went on to win the World Series in I think four games to two or four games to one. So has anybody um, ever been the same since that low budget Kansas City Royals team? Did no, but they, they did just got a billion dollar valuation the other day. I mean, you know. The uh, the Glass family sold them, and I mean it's insane. What I mean, the Royals that was just an eye popping number for the Midwest. Well, if you're um, a big you know, three, your valuation crazy. is coming with a B at the end of it in most instances anymore. There's just such high value in these things, um, and I think it's only going to get bigger as the world gets back to somewhat normal. Um, yeah. TV, yeah, the way TV nuts. deals are, et cetera. So, you know, interesting stuff. Also, not the only thing going on in New York. I was watching the U.S. Open this week, and it was kind of weird. Mm. Um, the U.S. Open is the cool one of the coolest events to watch on television because you have the the late East Coast matches under the lights with all the celebrities. Center court is lit up; it's crazy. I've had the chance to to go to see Federer, and it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. But it was it's crazy to watch without any without any fans in the stands. Kind of missing something. Yeah, it is. I mean, the U.S. Open kicked off today, like you said, and, and the last two weeks they played the, the Western and Southern Open, which is usually played in Ohio, which is usually played the same uh, week or two weeks as the Atlanta professional tournament. And we never are able to attract the bigger players because we don't have the purse and the, the winning, you know, the prize uh, money that they offer at the Western and Southern and this year they played it in New York. Djokovic won. And I also saw that he, and I don't know if he's catching a lot of flack for this, but I have seen some reports about he's trying to organize this tennis union. Um, so I'm sure you're going to hear a lot more about that over the next two weeks with the U.S. Open and the media circling that event. A tennis union for men only. Yeah. I mean, um, which caused some some big waves. Right. Lots right. to, lots to, uh, to dig out of there, too. So... Anyway, let's wrap up the sports and biz news for the week. Plenty of stuff to talk about, plenty more to look into, but let's jump into a new a new segment. You teased it a little bit called What You Watching. So when the world uh, hands you 
all these lemons, you, sometimes you just need a break from trying to make lemonade. And I do that by sometimes losing my brain into pointless television. But one of the things I've been watching has been uh, The Umbrella Academy on mm. Netflix. It's a really cool show. I binge watched it, the two seasons of it. And The Umbrella Academy is kind of a superhero slash drama thriller, you know, what's going to happen kind of show. I, I liked it. It was, uh, it wasn't the best written show I've ever seen, but it was definitely engaging. And, um, Margaret Ann and I have tried to watch a couple different shows like money heist and fierce city and a couple other things over the last, uh, couple weeks, but this one really stuck with me and I jumped all in. What have you been watching? I mentioned this uh, earlier in the show. One of the better documentaries that I have seen in a long, long time uh, is a is a show on Netflix called The Black Godfather. It follows the life of a uh, I don't know how to describe him. I mean, the people in the show can't even describe him. He's a he's the connector of all connectors. Um, his name's Clarence Avant, and uh, all I can say is just if if you find music and entertainment and media and film and sports interesting and you you want to see you know what it's like to be a, a power broker and operate at the highest levels of multiple industries i would just check it out it's uh it's amazing we were we were told about the show by our neighbors um and uh Heidi and I checked it out on Saturday night, and we were just like, "Wow, it, it was awesome!" So it's it's called The Black Godfather. It's on Netflix, and uh, I I definitely check it out. Really, a lot of amazing stuff to learn. I haven't seen the documentary, but just knowing a little bit about him, um, I can only imagine how fascinating it is. I didn't realize there was a documentary out there, so I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to tune in and watch that. Good stuff. That's this week's What You Watching. All right, Andres, let's jump into a little deeper dive into the world of virtual learning with this week's cul-de-sac chat. Andres, welcome to the cul-de-sac. Grab your uh, non-alcoholic oduls and let's vent and riff on what we've learned from uh, virtual learning. What have you guys learned so far? Uh, I guess the first thing that we've learned is you better log in really, really early in the morning to the, uh, to the Cobb online learning platform, because if you try to log in at, you know, five minutes to eight or eight, when school starts, just get in line. Um, we've also learned that you have to be very patient because the system's glitchy and this, you know, just, it, it has, it has glitches. Um, and then <laughs> it's, there's a lot of breaks the kids have a lot of breaks. So you've got to find, uh, and I, you know, give credit to Heidi, my wife, cause she's doing a lot of this day to day, but you've got to find during these transitions, I guess, between activities is you've got to find ways to keep the kids somewhat dialed in like they're at school and not allow them to go, you know, completely off the rails, you know, getting out toys and, you know, wanting to flip on the TV and, un you know, unpacking the entire fridge or the snack drawer. So I don't know. Those are some of my immediate thoughts. What about you? Well, I think um, patience and understanding between uh, couples, spouses, husband, wife, whatever, parents, uh, is paramount because you're both going to be frustrated and stressed and about ready to explode and you can't take it out on each other. There's, you can't take it on to your teachers either. If anybody's listening, 
is angry at their teachers, stop listening to this podcast right now. Go grow up somewhere because the teachers are doing everything that they can yep. in the environment that they're given. Um, we're all in this together. It truly takes a village. So for crying out loud, try to have some, some patience and understanding. I think, you know, communication with Margaret Ann and I has been key. We're, um, trying to give each other breaks. I try to take kind of the morning shift when I don't have calls and give her a break and vice versa. But I'll tell you, we, we have had probably the most success with the small little pod that we did with another great family that the boys actually worked in the environment pretty well with someone that they're not too familiar with, but I'll, but I'll tell you, I think structure is so important. And, and, and if anybody has the perfect structure out there, please bottle it up and I'll sell, I'll buy it from you because that's the hardest part to your point is the breaks and the focus and all of those things are really, really difficult. And you know, the Monday, or I'm sorry, the Wednesday, you know, catch up day is terribly positioned in the middle of the week when you finally get your kids going on a Monday and Tuesday. And then you've got this random catch up day and some days they have assessment testing and some days they don't, it's like, it's just crazy. So if I could fix anything, it would probably be the schedule, but, yeah. um, it's gotten a lot better. I was in a bad place, you as you heard last couple of the first week, and I've gotten more comfortable with it. But I still stand firm on the fact that these kids are at a significant disadvantage being at home, and I don't think they are learning or are going to be able to learn. And those kids that have been in school, I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see a real divide as these kids get older. Yeah, I mean that's definitely those are those are big issues that won't play themselves out. Obviously, and we won't know for for some time. I'm on the hot seat, Brad. This week, I think in two nights on Wednesday is the open house for our school. King Springs is doing it virtually, as you can imagine. The new school, um, brand new one. Yeah, and so normally the open house would be a really you know huge night because parents would get to go into the classroom, you know kids would show off projects that they've been working on for the first few weeks and where they sit and who their friends are. And it's just a, it's a fun night. You've been to them and, and, uh, you get in and you kind of get to know some of the other parents in the classroom, et cetera. Well, obviously this year it's virtual and, um, I don't talk a lot about it on the show, but one of the, one of the things that we have tried to do, um, to support the school, uh, is to get really involved and, and so Heidi's done a lot of that in the classroom and volunteered, um, you know, chairing our support to pride, which is a big fundraiser for the school. I, um, somehow became the president of our foundation. Don't ask me how. Um, but I've got to give a, uh, I basically got to give an overview, uh, of kind of what we're doing and, you know, we're not doing a big fundraiser or in the same format as we had in years past, given what's going on, you know, people, have been out of work or they've lost jobs and times are tough. And so because we are uh, not a title uh, one school, if not for private donations uh, from very generous families and businesses, like we would have a pretty big funding gap. So mm-hmm. to your point about, you know, the differences between um, kids that have been in school and kids that have been virtual, it's, it's just an interesting, it's a really tough time right now. I think we have been very blessed with really great teachers and a great, team at King Springs. And I'm curious to hear what your experience has been at Nickajack, but it's not optimal. I mean, who the heck wants to be doing this right this way? Um, but I know our teachers, I mean, they're up early. They're, they're at school late. They're working on the weekends. They're trying to do everything they can from, uh, every, every interaction I've had to, you know, to try to make it a, a good learning 
experience. And they just have been dealt a tough hand. So my hats are off to them. I totally agree. Well, again, our, our, our principal all the way down to our teachers have done the best they could given everything that's going on. And I, I, I thank them for that. Hopefully we can get out of this thing soon. Um, it sounds like our superintendent here is putting a lot of emphasis on how the Labor Day weekend goes and what kind of spike he sees. Uh, so for God's sakes, if you're in Cobb County, stay the hell home. And uh, <laughs> Right. And Yeah, we're one of the few counties in the metro. I mean, there's Cherokee and Paulding and others are, are opening, um, and there's definitely been cases. But we'll see. I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of betting on October is kind of my, my thinking that we're – Hopefully back in October. Hey, but that's if it's, that's only a month away. I can deal with it. <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up with this week's Final Four. So, Andres, what are some things you just don't like doing on your own? What are some things that you have to hire somebody to do? Like for me, I'll do all of the DIY I can possibly do, but I got to pay somebody to paint. Mm. I hate painting. And don't you have a good painter? Oh, man, he's good. I do, um, yes. We were very fortunate. You've referred him to us uh, before. Uh, I don't touch anything other than batteries and maybe a jump here and there on a car. You will not find me doing brakes, changing oil, changing spark plugs. I wish I had taken auto mechanic class in high school. Um, I was too naive to think I would need that, but, uh, man... All that works going to the shop. <laughs> well, much like uh, your automobile, I don't want to spend any more time. This ties into our cul-de-sac chat. I don't want to spend any more time as an educator. So <laughs> I have. <laughs> I think that I have become more sold on one: our teachers need to be paid more, and two, private education may not be that bad of a an option here if we do stay virtual for longer than October or even into next year. I had a conversation with one of the local private schools here because I wanted to talk more about what was going on. So education for me, something that you cannot do on your own. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. Um, does, does moving count? I mean, you that's know how great many times one. I've moved in the last, you know, 10 years, Heidi, God bless her. She's, um, stuck, stuck with me through multiple countries moving across the country again and then back and i think we've decided you know we'll pack the important stuff you know we'll pack the china we'll pack the the baby pictures we'll pack the uh the picture frames but um i don't see moving in my future and i don't think you could pay me to um pack up a u-haul or a penske truck and drive it across the country if i had to so the part of the question in our friendship where i ask you to help me move out of my office we just subleased oh. is uh is not that's not on the table no, no, um, it's, it is it's funny. moving personally houses. That no, means I, I have to get. That means I have to clean my closets, <laughs> clean out my garage. It's my shit, not not yours. I'll it's help you funny. with your stuff. I was thinking long. about that today. I was thinking I could save a couple bucks if I just go move all this stuff myself. But I was like, man, I hate moving. That's a great one. Good way to end the show, uh, DJ. We got deep. We laughed. It was a good all around biz dads week. Um, thanks for as always for everybody listening in, putting up with us. And uh, missing us when we're gone. We'll talk to you all next week. This is the Biz Dads. We're out. <laughs>